Hallelujah. I was just reminded as we were singing there this morning how, you know, I spent probably the first um, couple of years of my Christian life just satisfied with the knowledge that he was real <laughs> and just blown away by, why, you mean that God in the Bible is real? You know, I remember just that was enough. I, it was like if there was any other information I needed to receive, it was like, oh, well, I'll find out about that. But I was just happy to know that the God of the Bible was real and authentic and that he was at work in my life. And the re-education process continued. You know, there was more to come. And uh, it started, I think, uh, which really blessed me, was uh, I got into a church where the pastor would get up every Sunday and he'd say, well, and he'd stand up and everyone knew what was coming. <laughs> Just waiting for it. He'd say, well, God is good. And that was his starting, that was his starting line. It was just recognizing the goodness of God, starting to come into an appreciation of how good he really is. And uh, boy, that's a, that's a learning curve for some people that have been taught something else. You know, had another experience that didn't, didn't actually give them that understanding and that God is so good and he is so faithful and he's ever present in a time of trouble. Ever present in a time of trouble. You know, we just, have to, we just have to reconnect sometimes and recognize that. Amen. So, you know, I just uh, want to just make sure everybody that's out here this morning is on board with the fact that God is good all the time. He is. And, you know, uh, he'll show you that goodness as well. You know, uh, he's, not, he's, not, he's not down on you. Aren't you glad? He's not down on you. You know, sometimes we'll walk in a way that's displeasing to him, but he's still not down on us, you know. And uh, the trouble that's, you know, that we experience sometimes is because we think that we've misbehaved, you know, and that God's down on us and we better watch out because, you know, he's going to get you, you know. And uh, that's not, that's a wrong thinking, you know. God's ready to receive us. We, we find that in the parable of the Samaritan, uh, of the, um, uh, the prodigal son, where, you know, that father's arms were always wide open waiting for the son to return always wide open and that's an expression of God's goodness and his love ready to receive us as soon as we realize that we're eating with pigs and that's where he got to you know he had to come to that point and it says that he came to himself when he that was the turning point when he came to himself and realized he's eating with the pigs and he could do a whole lot better even just eating with the servants in his father's house. You know what I mean? If I just be a lesser person in my father's house, it's better than eating with the pigs. And of course, there was just that moment and that time when he turned around and said, I'm going back. And you know, when he came back, he found his loving father, whose arms are always ready and waiting. He was always looking on the horizon for his, you know, for his son that was lost to come back. And of course, he also found a jealous brother. <laughs> A jealous brother who was a bit religious and he thought that no party should be thrown for this son because don't you know what he's been up to but that you know the explanation was my, you know my arm's always been right, waiting and ready he's always my son and now he's back you know so kill that fatted calf put a ring on his finger and bring the you know the robe because that's my boy you know and I want him back Amen. And sometimes we do, you know, sort of miss out and miss God and, and uh, find ourselves away from where we need to be. But we come running back, don't we? Amen. He receives us. And, and I think you even mentioned it in your communion message this morning, Rach, that as far as from the east is 
uh, to the West. So far has he removed our sins from us. I remember a wonderful story of a, a preacher who, uh, I don't know what he'd done, but he said he committed some type of uh, uh, error, sin, you know, he missed it in some way. And uh, he, was, he was about to get up and speak in, at a, like a conference. And he was really struggling, just really feeling bad about where he'd been and what he'd been doing and just, you know, was thought it was almost hypocritical that he was going to get up and now speak to people. And he was saying, you know, Lord, you know, I feel so bad at what I'd done. And he'd already confessed it to the Lord, already you know, brought it to the Lord and, and, and confessed his sin. But he was talking to the Lord about it again. And the Lord said to him, and, and I always remember this, he said to him, what sin? And he said, do you know, Lord, what? He says, no. Nah. And just let him know that he wasn't focused. God's not as far as from the east is to the west. So far has he removed our sin from us. You know, when we were able to go, and we, we were talking about it last scripture, last week you know 1 john 1 3 8 uh, uh, 1 john 1 8 9 you know if we confess our sins the bible says that he's just and faithful to forgive us and cleanse us from all sin and unrighteousness and that's something that we can be confident about so we bring it to him we commit it to him and we we let him do the work of cleansing and you know it's not not to us to, to consider whether or not we've achieved that it's by faith it's by faith that we receive that that's like it never happened. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, we want to move on to uh, what the Lord has for us this morning. And, um, you know, what we've been seeing is, is that, that being spiritual for a Christian believer is, first of all, a provision from God. If we've gotten anything out of this series, and I believe this is the seventh week, I think that we're in this series now, uh, seventh week, and, um, you know, our Heavenly Father uh, has made us away he has made us um, a way to be spiritual uh, we looked at it heavenly father has uh, created mankind as a spirit as a spirit being you know all of mankind no matter who they are are all spirit beings and um, and of course the next takeaway we should we should understand that for starters is that we already are a spirit we're not one day going to be get to be a spirit or a spirit in heaven or a spirit that flies or, you know, released from the... We already are a spirit. And we can understand and begin, begin to be sensitive from our spirit, particularly when we're born again. And uh, we also, the next takeaway is, is that, that he has made us in his image. we actually made like God. And, of course, God is a what? Spirit. That's what we understand. Not saying that we're gods, we're saying that we're made in the image of God and He is a spirit. So are we. And again, it's just recognizing that it's not weird as a Christian to be spiritual and spiritual in, in your approach. You know, you don't, and I would put it this way it's, it's a bit like um, the expectation is that you'll be religious. No, no, let's be spiritual. We also need to know that He has made us to be spiritually discerning. All right? That's where there's a tangibility in our spirit to the things of God. So it's not just religious duty, there's also spiritual reality. And that's where we want to get to in our Christian lives, where, where the things that, you know, we're starting to be sensitive in our spirit to spiritual things. Truth that resonates, truth that hits home. You know, we've all had that. But, you know, there's also a, 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 an inner witness. What about that? You know? 
a spiritual prompt from God, you know, a download from heaven that really rings your bell, you know, more so than something else. You know, maybe you open your Bible in the morning and you read something that it just pops up at you and almost hits you because it's so, oh, that's what God's saying to me this morning. Wow, that just really, you know, resonates in your spirit. And of course, you know, getting, getting past that uh, natural understanding um, and, and to our spiritual understanding where, where we're actually now connecting from. You know, we can be sensitive to his guidance in our spirit. And uh, I love that. I love that part. I believe it's an important part of our Christian walk and we never want to neglect it and just be found uh, performing Christian duties. You know, feeling like we're, you know, am I being responsible enough as a Christian? We need to do those things as well, our Christian duties, there's things that we should be doing. But I tell you what, what's very important is that we are, are spiritual beings and that we live out of that spirit life. Um, I like uh, uh, that understanding that, that, that when we do start to get sensitive there, there's that, you know, we, we begin to become susceptible to his inner voice, you know, uh, and, and of course his inner prompts. And, of course, the inner witness, where it's just a nudge from God. You know he's wanting to teach you or something or show you something. Those are precious moments. Praise the Lord. And, um, you know, we've got some scriptures there because some people say, well, where's that in the Bible? Well, let's just have a little look. There's uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14. We've looked at this previously, but just a little recap. It says that the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. And we could just stop there and talk about that for a while, but I think I already have. The natural man, it's just like, you know, God's knocking, but no one's home. You know, that natural man, that old man. It says, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. There's the things of God that are spiritually discerned. We begin to discern them from our spirit. You know, in our time uh, spent in his presence, up on the holy hill, in the holy place, you know, in the secret place, our times of communion, with him should be times when we don't just cast our cares upon him but you know but when he downloads divine truth to us you know insights uh, secret intel who's in for some secret intel from God you know the Bible talks about him showing us uh, uh, leading and guiding us into all truth and showing us things to come boy uh, you know I, I believe that's something to pursue something to follow after you know, that only can be known from his vantage point, where he is. You know, where he knows the end from the beginning. I tell you, we need to be able to tap into that and know some things before they happen. That's exciting and uh, very much an advantage in life. You know, so it's just a case of pressing in a little deeper. You know, if you haven't had that experience, you know, maybe, maybe today's the day to work it out that there's some things that you need to do to sort of line yourself up for that, for that life. Maybe some changes. And, um, you know, um, there's never a, a, a moment when you could say it's too late in God to make adjustments, changes. Sometimes it's only just a little adjustment, too, that's needed to find ourselves walking in some of these advantages that we've been given in Christ Jesus. You know, those insights are spiritual in nature. Uh, they are discerned not from the soul or the intellect. They're certainly analysed up there when you, know, when, when you do receive it, when you do recognise it and, and, and uh, um, uh, perceive it, it's, it's you know, you, your mind and your intellect comes into it, but it's from our spirit man. 
And we've got to know where that is, that hidden man of the heart where the Lord communes with us. Um, and for someone who's new to a teaching such as this, the question again might rise, well, where is that in the Bible? Where are those, those places? And of course, uh, there are great places and great examples in the scripture. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 27, it says, The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching out his innermost being. The spirit of the Lord is the lamp of the Lord. You know, what it means is the Lord's going to shine his light on us there in our spirit. The illumination is going to be felt and understood and experienced in our spirit. And, um, and of course, we have a great example of this over in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. Jesus is uh, uh, you know, out there in the region of Caesarea, and we should have a little look at it. It says, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? You know, the son of man am. Who do men say that I, the son of man, am? And so they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. They're all thinking that, you know, he's a reincarnation of someone great. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter uh, answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And, And how many know that the Roma mill... The rumour mill is wrong. Usually. The rumour mill. And, and, you know, I like this passage because Jesus does not want to know what the grapevine is saying. He wants to know what Peter is saying. Great passage. And get this. He wants Peter to know how he got to be assured of that. So he wants to know what Peter is saying, but he also wants to know wants Peter to know how he got to be assured of that, what he knows. And, and, and recognise this, this scripture is about spiritual discernment, which is, how, which is how truth is revealed to us. And the passage even goes a little further, even goes a little further and, and tells us what it's for. One of its primary purposes, spiritual discernment. And we'll go and look in Matthew chapter 17, Verse 17 to 20, it says, And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. That should be underlined in your Bible. It should be underlined in your Bible, I tell you, very important. Flesh and blood, you know, there's your natural reasoning, your, your schooling, your education, you know, your, your time thinking about such things intellectually. None of that revealed this to you. My Father in heaven revealed it to you. That's revelation knowledge. And I also say that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, for centuries, people have said, oh, that's a play on the word Peter because it means rock, and Peter was going to be the rock of the church that God built the church. It was just a play on the words at the moment. He He says, on this rock I will build my church. What's the rock? Revelation knowledge. He's building his church based on revelation knowledge, that download, that understanding, that truth that comes that way, those truths that we perceive in our heart and begin to walk out. That's how the church is built and established. I will build my church. And that's a good truth to understand because unless the Lord build the house, what does it say in Psalm 127.1? Unless the Lord build the house, what do the, those that labor, labor in 
vain. In other words, it's useless and it's hard work too. You know, unless the Lord's building the house. In other words, if you're not going off revelation knowledge as you go about the work of the kingdom, it's hard work. And um, I don't know about you, but I, 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 if I can find an easy way. <laughs> Someone said that, you know, if you want something done, find a lazy person. Because <laughs> I'll find the easy way to get it done. <laughs> and I say the easy way in the kingdom is to just wait on what God's saying and do that because that's how he's building his church. What's God saying? What's he doing? You could do a whole church. We could be doing a whole bunch of programs and, and a lot of good ideas, but not God ideas. And, you know, that's why we sort of say, well, we're going to do what God wants us to do. And, um, you know, and if, if anyone thinks, well, that's not much, we'll say, well, you have to talk to the Lord about that. <laughs> so, um, you know, we, we get that understanding. Look what he says. And we have to know what it's for, that revelation knowledge. And I also say to you that, that you are Peter on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, this is talking about authority. Authority through prayer to bind and loose. That's based on revelation knowledge. What God's giving us, keys. Keys. And, uh, and of course, very much important that we understand why. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. He wasn't teaching them about something so they could go out and tell more people about Jesus. He was telling them something that was going to equip them for their future work. Because it wasn't the time then. You know, in the passage of verse 20 confirms that the subject of this discussion between Peter with Jesus was not about the true identity of Jesus. It wasn't about that. It's so important to see that the Lord is saying that he will build his church not on building followers to ourselves. We can get as many followers as possible. Uh, That's not going to build his church. And we should never think that it's based on getting followers. Okay. Jesus is building his church via revelation knowledge. And sometimes you see, and you know, I've experienced ministries too, where, where you get so excited about what's coming in, you, you almost want to run down the front and say, I'll be a follower, you know. But that's not how God's building his church. It's through heartfelt revelation. It's people grow and develop and start to gain a, a, a greater understanding via revelation knowledge, which is truth that transforms people's lives. I don't know about you, but it wasn't just through going to church that transformation occurred. It was through the words that I started to hear and receive and the experience of his spirit in my life that brought that transformation. Amen? I tell you, and I want more. We even have a revelation understanding now that, boy, the Lord's dug a well here. The Lord dug a well here and that there have been many people over the years who kept that well unclogged so it can flow freely, so that people can come and drink of that water, those living streams that spring up unto eternal life. And God's got us here for that purpose, to keep that well clear. You know, from week to week, it's not about whether or not we have a function out the back this afternoon, or next week, or the month after, or do something else. It's about whether someone can walk through those two doors there, come in here and feel God, and go, where are the tissues? 
So often it's like that though, isn't it? That that's the experience, is that they're touched by the Spirit of God and we've got plenty of boxes of tissues. Always wonder who puts them out. That someone realises that there's a well here and that there's you know, going to be welling up tears as God begins to touch lives and as, as only he can. And we want that, you know. We can't explain that, but we do want that. And that's God ministering to hearts as only he can. You know, revelation knowledge transforms people's lives what it is it's it's present truth is, is another name for it you might want to look that up uh, also known as now truth not just what God has said so it's not just about about having a bible study and going over what God has said in the past and and saying oh that's good and intellectually connecting with that it's about what he's saying right now you know that 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 relationship right now where, where he's framing up truth within your heart and if we're going to see God building his church and, 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 and thrive on being a part of it we have to see that the church is built by these moments that he reveals a key that we can use a revelation that locks something down maybe and, uh, or a revelation that unlocks or opens something up Binding and loosing is a part of the prayer that we start to apply when God shows us things. Revelation knowledge might show you something that just needs to be bound. And you begin to, to rise up in your authority as a prayer person and you start to bind it and say, I bind that in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, what I bind on earth is bound in heaven. So in other words, all of the authority of heaven is behind your words when you begin to speak and pray. And you declare it bound. And when you start praying that way and you're doing that based on revelation knowledge, better watch out because to him that has, more shall be given. You know, to him that has not, well, you know, watch out for that part. Our Heavenly Father is building his church through revelation knowledge and, and that's so important that we get a hold of that. It doesn't just stop with just a, you know, a little word for yourself or, a, or an in, insight that will help you pray. There's also the gifts of the Holy Spirit. What, what's that? Downloads from heaven, you know, insight from heaven. As many know, the book of uh, 1 Corinthians contains a description of the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. It's well and truly in our favour to... Um, uh, uh, know those those uh, uh, scriptures, but First um, Corinthians twelve. Actually, we won't go into this in detail, so don't get worried. I'm not about to teach a big seminar on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but just um, notice the first three are revelatory, the revelation gifts. They reveal information. That's really what we're talking about. That secret intel that we're talking about. How the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. The discerning of spirits, you know, distinguishing between spirits. These are things that we can uh, gain and, and receive from the Lord. That which he uh, supplies us. And again, what are they for? What are the gifts for? The gifts are not to you, they're what? Through you. Through you. They're not to you, they're through you. So, you know, you receive a gift. It's not, well, my goodness, I just got this gift. I'm going to go home and just really enjoy this. No, if someone, you know, if the gifts operate through your life, it's through you to someone else. And this is where we need to see, uh, I believe, a very important truth. And, you know, again, not going into detail. And realise, if I had a switch or a button for the, for, uh, the revelatory gifts, I'd, I'd be pushing that button all the time. So 
say, oh, I'd like that one to operate today. You know, and some of you say, oh, the healing gear. Oh, I'll just get that button operate, you know, and push that and switch that on. Oh, this is a good day today. I'll switch it. We have to know that all of the nine gifts that are listed here operate and function as the Spirit of God wills. In other words, there is no switch, there is no button. Now, we can position ourselves, and we should, for them to function. And I'd like to talk a little bit about positioning ourselves for those gifts. It's the pure heart, the clean hands. We've talked about that in this series. Who will go up to the hill of the Lord? He has clean hands and a pure heart. I'm not talking about being legalistic and, and and, and sinless perfection. I'm talking about the intent of the heart is to not be off, you know, doing and saying what you like during the day, you know, during the week and then expecting the gifts to operate on Sunday. You know, there's a positioning. There's a getting things right, you know, uh, uh, doing those things that are pleasing in his sight. It's, it's those uh, things that I believe are all preparatory uh, for the Lord to use us. And, and most importantly, realising that they're not just for us, they're for others. And so we have to have that uh, uh, a value and, and desire to see others being blessed and lifted up by, by a, a, a word from the Lord or a blessing, a touch from God that changes everything. And I, you know, so many times we hear testimonies of people who are being used just exactly that way in their workplace and just out on the streets. And, and I'm excited by that. And we should be about that business and are looking for those opportunities whenever we go out. But I love a good sequence. And there is uh, one here for us to see. And we should remember this sequence. And it's very easy to remember. 1 Corinthians 12, the gifts are explained, certainly described, the gifts of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 13, God's love is explained. And we all know the love chapter and we should all practice the love chapter, amen. It shouldn't be something we hear when we go to our next wedding. Thank the Lord for weddings. <laughs> but it shouldn't just be something we hear then. We should, be, we should be in that word all the time, just really reflecting on 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, we used to read a lot the amplified version and the part that really, you know, that we, we uh, I, I think, just so got into our system was uh, believes the best of every person. That's uh, the amplified version. Love believes the best of every person. I tell you, the minute you start believing the worst of every person, it's a bad day. You know, I, I, would, say, I would say your ministry is going downhill at the moment the minute you start thinking the worst of every person. You know, we have to believe the best of every person, don't we? Amen. Now, 1 Corinthians 14, I like this. 12, the gifts are explained. Chapter 13, God's love is explained. Chapter 14, Paul starts the chapter by saying something that we should all get. We should get this. And if we get it, we become so more positioned for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to flow through us as he wills, but we are so better positioned. And I like it. I'll just read it to you. There's one verse that says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Pursue love. And we say, why do you have to pursue it? (laughs) Because it's always getting away from us, isn't it? Opportunities, things that frustrate us, things that get us upset, things that get us angry. Love is always running off as those events happen in our life. And we have to get back to love. I like the Amplified Version. It says this, pursue this love with eagerness. He's just gotten through describing what it is in 1 Corinthians 13. He starts 14 out by saying this. Pursue this love with eagerness. Make it your goal. 
yet earnestly desire and cultivate the spiritual gifts to be used by believers for the benefit of the church, but especially that you may prophesy, to foretell the future, to speak a new message from God to the people. You know, great, great little verse there, a great little explanation out of the Amplified Version. But the takeaway for us all today is this. Positioning ourselves for downloads from heaven requires a commitment to love. God's love. Not our, you know, if it feels good, I might love you. Uh, if it feels right or I'm feeling good today, so I'll love you. That's not God's love. God's love is what? Unconditional. Unconditional. There's no conditions put on the love when we're talking about God's love. The Apostle Paul tells Jude, stay in the love of God. I like that. Look at that in the first chapter. Don't go looking for the second chapter because there is not one. Jude chapter 1 in verse 17 to 19, it says, But you, beloved, remember what was foretold by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ when they said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers who will follow after their ungodly desires. These are the ones who cause divisions, who are worldly and devoid of the spirit. Okay, he's just calling a spade of a spade. You know, he's really saying what it is. Verse 20, though. Look what he says in verse 20 when he says, But you, beloved, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God as you await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you eternal life you know it's such a great truth to get a hold of you know is that love is something that we have to keep ourselves in you know what i mean have to keep pursuing and we also have once we get it we have to keep it and keep ourselves in the love of god you know um i've found out that unconditional love is usually uh the thing that you need to uh, resort to when you have every reason not to <laughs> you think about that for a second. The, the, that unconditional love needs to flow from us when it's like there's every reason not to. And that's what's challenging for every single one of us, I'm sure. God's not going to give you a revelation for others if you're being ugly and unforgiving toward others. Yeah. And, and here's a question that should locate us all. How can we stand expecting God's mercy for the wrongs we have done when we ourselves cannot show mercy and walk in love toward others when they have done wrong to us? Amen. How can we expect to, to, to be a channel of God's love and power to you, brother, sister? You know, when we, we ourselves uh, have, you know, not, not been walking in that ourselves, not been working in that love and mercy ourselves. You know, and if we're going to go on in the Christian life being spiritual, we need to have such times of self-reflection where we actually look at ourselves, ask ourselves a few questions, and really be honest with ourselves. And they say the first person you should be honest with is yourself. You know, go talk to the man in the mirror. You know, the woman in the mirror. Go and talk to that person. And, uh, you know... We become a conduit for God's love and power. And that's so important. It's about seeing others reconciled and restored to God. That's our primary cause. You know, he's left us here for this purpose. You say, why hasn't Jesus come back? Because he's got this work to do. 
and he's doing it through his church, the called out ones, the ecclesia, those people in churches uh, where are being taught such things, uh, people are being activated and going out. wanted to read something to you this morning. Are you ready? Question mark. And it's a, a word given by Smith Wigglesworth to Lester Sumrall in 1939. And uh, apparently in that discourse there was discussion about where the last great revival was going to issue forth from. Apparently it's Australia, which is, you know, the part of that discussion. But with tears rolling down his faith, face, Smith said to Lester Sumrall, uh, I probably won't see you again now. My job is almost finished is in his older years. As he continued to pray, he cried, I see it, I see it. And Brother Sumrall asked, what do you see? What do you see? And he said, I see a healing revival coming right after World War II. It'll be so easy to get people healed. I see it. I see it. I won't be here for it, but you will be. And there was a healing revival right after the war. And he continued to prophesy. I see, you know, tent ministries went up all over the place as people uh, uh, tapped into that gifting of healing. He says, I see another one. I see people of all different denominations being filled with the Holy Ghost. That was, of course, the charismatic revival. And God raised up people during that era like the full gospel businessmen. I see another move of God. I see auditoriums full of people coming with notebooks. There will be a wave of teaching on faith and healing. And we tapped into that ourselves and sat under a ministry that taught very strongly on faith and we're so glad they did. We did experience that wave he saw and he, we call it the word of faith movement. And then he prophesied after that, after the third wave, he started sobbing. He said, I see the last day revival that's going to usher in precious fruit of the earth. It will be the greatest revival this world has ever seen. It's going to be a wave of the gifts of the Spirit. The ministry gifts will be flowing on this planet earth. I see hospitals being emptied out and they will bring the sick to churches where they allow the Holy Ghost to move where they allow the Holy Ghost to move. I tell you, if you feel like there's a bit of an educational edge to you know, our teaching and the ministry that we bring, it's because I really do feel that we're getting ready you know, as a church. I talk to Pastor Margaret quite frequently and, and we just have telephone chats and, and uh, she talks about things that you know, are on her heart and that. And I enjoy those moments. And I tell you, she's got such a sense of this last day revival where people, you know, and, I, and what I see is, is that it's a church rising up in love and the gifts. And, and, you know, there's such an emphasis, I believe, in this time and season for God's people to be equipped for this revival. And uh, even to the point where Pastor Mark talk about, well, how can we, you know, we, we, you've got to start Bible colleges everywhere. And we talk about that, you know, and talk about how that, that's a real passion. You know, and um, seeing people reconciled and restored to God through an encounter with him a powerful encounter with him you know and um, you know I say that and probably add to the to, to the point uh, we've got a bunch of uh, new brochures that have come in we had some more printed up those you are special ones I don't know if there's one in here but these ones here um, I've put them into little small packs so just so you can have one in your glove box 
It's one that you could just, you know, maybe use. But, you know, when we go out with intention, we should remember that they're there and if you're just walking down the street, slip one in your pocket. Slip it in your back pocket or, you know, even... No, don't screw it up and put it in your wallet. Um, but, you know... <laughs> Make it available to yourself so you can easily grab one when you go out. And, you know, who knows what the Lord would do with that. But see, just that, just that purpose to take one with you says, I'm ready. I'm ready to be used, Lord. I'm ready to, to be a witness for you. And even if it's just a short conversation and transaction. You know, we've got all the information about coming to church. But what's most important about this brochure is it tells someone how they can be born again. How can come into relationship with God? You know, we'd love to be able to minister to them and, and you know, teach them and disciple them if, if, you know, if that works out that they come here. But most importantly, they're taught how to come into a relationship with God. And so I encourage you, there's about 10 packs out there. We'll put some more if they all go. But grab them and take them with you. Stick them in your, um, in your glove box, in your car, and always have them available. You know, I, I just wanted one more scripture. I know a little bit right on time now this morning, and I know morning tea is just about ready soup is it soup this morning soups on the menu this morning which is going to be worth waiting around for galatians 6 1 says brethren if a man is overtaken in any trespass you who are spiritual we're talking about being spiritual aren't we you who are spiritual restore such an one in a spirit of gentleness considering yourself lest you also be tempted you know, that's the part where we realise that, boy, you know what, I'm forgiven, I'm washed, I'm cleansed, but I'm just as vulnerable to making mistakes and missing it as the person I want to minister to. So it's not coming from up here to minister to someone who's, who's struggling or doesn't know Jesus. It's coming from a heart to love people. Amen. Coming from that heart. So important. If any man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such an one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. You know, we should never approach someone who is in bondage to sin from the place of condemnation. Never, you know. We want to reach them. We want them to experience the love of God. We want them to know that God's good. We should never come from that place of condemnation. Always look to be an agent of reconciliation. You know, those ambassadors for Christ that it talks about in 2 Corinthians 5. Jesus being our best example of mercy and restoration. You know, the religious of the people, the religious people of his day, through a woman caught in the very act of adultery. It doesn't go into detail on that, but I'm sure it was not a good moment for the woman or whether who she was with. Grabbed her, threw her at the feet of Jesus and says in the law, it says that she should be stoned. What do you say? And, uh, of course, <laughs> I, I like to read Jesus' answers because his answers were always really good answers, weren't they? You know, it's almost like he sidestepped what they were trying to do and gave them an, an answer that convicted their hearts. And, you know, sometimes the Word of God does that, doesn't it? It convicts us right where we are. And, of course, they wanted to see if Jesus would condemn her according to the law, you know. And uh, he's there demonstrating that he's good. And that God's good. And he purposed to restore her according to God's love. And of course that's a message for us. And he said to her, he said to, that, uh, to those that were there, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. And of course one by one they all left the arena. 
they all walked out because none of them knew that they were worthy to cast the first stone. So they just dropped their rocks and left. And, um, and we recognise that that should be the, the heart that we come from when it comes to ministering to others. They're all caught in sin, all areas in their lives that are not right that should be, and we should love them through it, love them out of it, let them feel the love and power of God as we minister by the power of God and purpose to be ministers of reconciliation. Amen? Ambassadors for Christ. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm going to pray and we're going to close on that. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you again for today, Lord, for your word, Lord. And we thank you for uh, everyone that's sitting in this place today, Lord, with their hearts open for you to minister to them, Lord, to touch and, and, uh, and make changes in lives, Lord, today. Little adjustments, Lord God, where we just need to uh, recognize, Lord, that you, um, you would have us live another way. Make a few adjustments in our lifestyle. Lord, that you're with us in those moments, helping us along the way. But Father, above all, we want to be those conduits, Lord, those, those channels of your love and power, Father, as we go out and get around others. Lord, we want to be able to present and represent the gospel, uh, Lord God, not just as a story from 2,000 years ago, but something that's powerful and living. Your word, Father God, penetrating hearts. Lord, we want that sword in our hands, Lord, and we ask today, each one of us ask today, Lord God, that you would lift us again to another level. Lord, if we've slipped back a little bit in that, um, and, and a consciousness of, of uh, not really living out of that lifestyle, Father, we ask that you lift us back into it. Lord, you bring us up to that place again. Lord, that we would all be right on that cutting edge of seeing people's lives changed and transformed by those waters of transformation. We ask in Jesus' name that you would use us, even this coming week, Lord, that we would see fruit, Father, as we make those little adjustments. Just make ourselves willing and... Um, and submitted to you, Lord. And Lord, I also pray for those that are here, Father God, that maybe, Lord, all this is news to them and they'd like to make a change. They'd like to make a sudden and real change from this day forward in the way that they live, Father. Father, I ask, Lord, that you convict and bring about a change of life, Lord. Bring about that uh, adjustment. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you're able to bring us out of the kingdom of darkness over into the kingdom of your dear Son. And that, Lord, you're at work even now, Father, amongst this congregation, bringing about, Father God, that transition. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Let's just all agree in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.